Thanks, Dane. Good morning to everybody. It's great to have all of our visitors with us today, and it's always wonderful to have our regular members with us as we come together to worship God and also join in fellowship as God's family here at Sunny Slope. And we're thankful. If you're visiting and you have any questions about anything you hear us say or see us do, please ask us. We just simply want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And if you're from this area, we do hope and we pray you'll come back over and over and over again. And if you're traveling, be safe. When you're back in the area, you've got a home right here at Sunny Slope. And uh, also, uh, as, as Matt had announced earlier, remember this is a day when after services we'll have a picnic in the park and we'll have a worship service in, in that area. And uh, anybody in that area who wants to join us will be welcome to join us. And we can be kind of a special example in that way. And uh, then that will be our evening service. There will not be a service here at the building this evening, just this one evening. So I did not know what John was going to say when he got up before the Lord's table. Most of the time, I do not know. Occasionally, I, I will know in advance because uh, someone will send me something, but I don't require that. That's, that's entirely up to them how they want to in, introduce the Lord's Supper. But I, I thought as John was saying what he was saying, how appropriate, is, how appropriate it is to our lesson today, our focus as we're studying this particular study that I put together and, and wanted to present today, the commitment of non-commitment. I don't know if a whole lot of people have thought about non-commitment as being actually a commitment. A lot of people, they want to be non-committed and they think that excuses them from making a mistake one in one direction or another. A lot of people are confused as to what not making a commitment really means. When we think about that word commit, and that means a pledge. It is to pledge, it is to bind, it is to obligate oneself, to take responsibility to do something. In some cases, making a commitment means I'm taking a stand on a particular matter. That's committing. I'm being firm. I'm making a statement basically that I'm going to take a definite position in one direction or another on this particular situation, whatever it might be. Now, many folks, <clears throat> they seek to avoid responsibility of making a commitment by not making a commitment. They want to live in a theoretical no man's land where they say, no, I'm just non-committal on that, whatever it is. Now they, they, they think that excuses them from any responsibility pertaining to that particular situation or that matter or that person, that belief system, whatever it might be. Many people don't realize that to not commit to something actually is committing to a different action. They think non-commitment, I, I didn't make a commitment. Yes, you did. You just committed to not do whatever it is you are considering doing. And there's really no such thing as being totally non-committal. When you think about, okay, we're looking at a house. And I remember just as a really young boy growing up in Chicago, going with my parents to look at a, a house that they were considering buying. So the real estate agent took us there and we looked at the house, we looked outside the house and all of that. And well, 
what happened? We didn't buy the house. Now, perhaps my parents thought, yeah, I'm just not ready to make the commitment. Oh, yes, they were. They just committed to not buy the house. You go look at a new car in a showroom someplace, and the dealer, he comes out and he shows it to you, and he preaches all of the glory of that particular car. And then he tells you how much it's going to cost and how much your monthly payment is going to be, and you say, ah, I'm not ready to commit right now. Oh, yes, you are. You just committed to not buy that car. You see, there's really no such thing as non-commitment. And this is absolutely true when it comes to our spiritual lives. You know, we're talking about, it, it's, it's, a, misnomer, it's you know, a misunderstanding, a, mis, a, a miscalculation in our mind when we say no commitment equals no responsibility. Commitment of non-commitment is what we're talking about. Well, I'm not going to commit, you've just committed. You've committed to not do something rather than to do something. And this is the commitment of non-commitment. And when it comes to Christ coming to Jesus, becoming a Christian, obeying the gospel, being baptized into him for the mission of our sins, changing our life, repenting of our sins, there is no such thing as non-commitment. There is no middle of the road when it comes to, these, to this particular matter. When you say, I'm not ready to make that commitment, you have made the commitment to not obey Jesus, to not come to him, to not be obedient to the gospel message of forgiveness and salvation that he brought to mankind. Now, with Christianity, there is no such thing as non-commitment. In fact, as I've tried to illustrate, there really is no such thing as non-commitment in anything. But especially we need to be focused on, am I ready to become a Christian? Am I ready to give my life to my Lord? And you say, well, I'm, I'm not ready to make that commitment. Yes, you are. You just made the commitment to not obey him, to not come to him, to not give your life to him, to not be obedient to his teachings. So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 Jesus said this very straightforwardly, very succinctly, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Basically, boiled down, that's what we're talking about. The commitment of non-commitment. Jesus said there's no middle of the road. You're either with me or you're against me. There's no middle road, no man's land here of non-commitment. You have made the commitment to not be with me. The rich young man is a great example of what we're talking about. Now in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16, it says, one came and said to him, that is to Jesus, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So this young man, he apparently had some degree of faith in Jesus at least he had heard about him, and that had, what he had heard it had impressed him to the point that he came to him and asked him about eternal life. What good thing must I do that I may have eternal life? He sought an answer from Jesus as to what he needed to do. Verse 17, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is no one good but one, and that is God. But if you, want to be, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Well, the young man said, which ones? Jesus gave him a sampling. He, he enumerated a few of those commandments. And the young man said, all these I have kept from my youth. 
what do I still lack? So the young man had some degree of commitment when it came to following God, trying to do what God wanted him to do. He said, hey, I've kept all of these commandments from my youth up. Apparently he had been taught, came from a Jewish family undoubtedly because he knew the Ten Commandments. And so he had been taught those from the youth up and he, he said, I've, I've been keeping these, these from the youth up. Then he says, what do I still lack? And so Jesus responded in a way that the young man, I'm sure, was not expecting. In verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now Jesus, being God the Son, he could understand the man's heart. And so the response of the young man, I believe, echoes or demonstrates what Jesus probably already knew about him. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now the young man might have thought, I'm, I'm not ready to make that commitment. He just committed to not follow Jesus. He just committed to not obey Jesus. By refusing to do what Jesus said, in response to what the young man asked him to tell him what he needed to do, the young man made the commitment to not obey Jesus. Now that's difficult for a whole lot of people to you know, maybe reconcile themselves to agree with, but that is the fact of the matter. By not committing to obey what Jesus told him he needed to do in his particular personal situation in life, the young man made the commitment to not obey Jesus. In refusing to commit, he made the commitment to disobey. Now, Nicodemus is another example. Nicodemus, we remember Nicodemus as a man who came to Jesus by night. John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now, a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was a member of the Sanhedrin council, which would have been the highest, the highest ruling body among the Jews, especially in Jerusalem. Now that does not mean they were necessarily civil authorities. They were supposedly rulers or judges from a, from a more spiritual perspective. But they were the highest body. We, would, we could compare them mostly to our Supreme Court, although they would have been on different levels. But anyway, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night, I believe, is a key understanding, and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, Nicodemus had heard about the miracles that Jesus had been performing, the wonders, the signs, and he addresses him as Rabbi. He'd heard about the teachings of Jesus, and Nicodemus to a degree at least, had become a believer in Jesus. He even says, we know. Now, he's using that, maybe we might call it that editorial we, because he's certainly not speaking about the entire Sanhedrin council. He's not speaking about the high priest. They did not, by and large, believe in Jesus at all. But he says, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these things that you're doing except God is with him. Now remember now, Nicodemus came to Jesus 
when? By night, under the cover of darkness. Though he had some faith in Jesus, coming to Jesus by night, I would think points to Nicodemus's lack of total commitment. And it's interesting, later in the gospel account, we find him being referred to as Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. By night. Interesting identity, isn't it? We move a little bit further. In verses 9 through 12, Nicodemus answered and said to him, and this is after Jesus told him, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He repeated it again because Nicodemus had a hard time understanding. And so Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel? He was supposed to be. Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. Now, probably he's not talking about Nicodemus personally, completely, but about basically the Sanhedrin and the authorities within, within Jerusalem and the people of Israel as a whole. Now, even though about 3,000 ended up being baptized on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And even though shortly after that, the scripture text talks about 5,000 having become Christians. And then shortly after that, we start seeing the words like multiply and multiplying, multiplying. The vast, vast, vast majority of the Jews rejected Jesus, rejected Christianity. They did not believe in him as the savior. And so that probably is to some extent what Jesus, or at least very possibly what he's talking about when he says, you do not receive our witness. Nicodemus had some degree of faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus to some degree. He's enunciating that when he first comes to him, but he comes by night again under the cover of darkness. Jesus goes on and says, I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Well, the fact that Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of darkness, I believe we can readily understand as indicating a lack of open and total commitment. He was not ready to come to Jesus openly and make that open commitment to him. We need to understand. Joseph of Arimathea is another example of a commitment to not commit, at least completely. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, this man, Joseph, identified as Joseph of Arimathea, and also a member of the Sanhedrin Council. Now, when evening had come, after Jesus had died on that cross, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Now this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. If we were told nothing else, if we had no other scripture account as to the identity of this man, Joseph, as to how he responded to the teaching of Jesus, if, that's the, if that was the only statement about his faith in Jesus saying that he became a disciple of Jesus, we would 
cheer him. We would, yes, praise God for that. But that's not the only account. In verse 60, Joseph, being a rich man, he laid the body of Jesus in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and he departed. Now, I want to read to you Mark's account of this in, in very short detail of this particular situation, how jo Joseph asked for the body of Jesus and what it says about Joseph. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 15 and verse 43. And here we read, I'll go back to verse 42. When the evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, a member of the Sanhedrin, just as Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, we might wonder why that particular statement, taking courage, when he decided to ask for the body of Jesus so that he could bury it in his own tomb. Maybe it was because what we read of, jo of Nicodemus, I'm, I'm sorry, of Joseph of Arimathea in John's account in chapter 19 and verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, well, Matthew's account tells us that. Mark's account tells us he took courage and asked for the body of Jesus. So you would think that he had some degree of faith in Jesus when he takes courage and asks Pilate, the Roman governor, for his body so that he could prepare it for burial in his tomb. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, secretly. Sounds a lot like Nicodemus, doesn't it? Secretly. For fear of the Jews. Asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. Well, look who's helping Joseph, uh, Joseph prepare the body of Jesus. Verse 39 goes on and says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night. Now think about that. For almost 2,000 years now, we have been reading about Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. And we've also been reading about Joseph of Arimathea who is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, but secretly for, free, for fear of the Jews. Nicodemus who at first came to Jesus by night also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 100 pounds. Now these spices would be used to put around as the burial claws would be wrapped around the body, they would be tucked into different folds and so on to keep down the stench of the decomposing body over the next several days as it decomposed in the tomb. Normally, it would probably be around 10 pounds or so. Somebody would bring to use in such preparation. The fact that Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds, that he and Joseph used a hundred pounds of spices to prepare the body of Jesus for 
burial in Joseph's tomb may, and I'm simply suggesting that that may indicate their regret for never having openly committed to follow Jesus while he was still alive on this earth. Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple or follower of Jesus for fear of the Jews. They both held lofty, prestigious positions. Now, by refusing, by refusing to openly commit to follow Jesus, both Joseph and Nicodemus actually committed to not follow him openly. Are you getting the principle by now? Non-commitment, really no such thing. If I'm to say I'm not going to commit to this, I'm making a commitment to not commit to that. Joseph, Nicodemus, both of them refrained, held back from making an open commitment to follow Jesus. By doing so, they committed to not openly follow Jesus. And they were not alone in exhibiting the commitment of non-commitment when it came to following Jesus. If we want Jesus to commit to us, we have to commit to him. In John chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, there was much complaining among the people concerning him, that is concerning Jesus. While he was still upon this earth, while he's still going through his ministry, preaching the gospel, calling people to repent and come to him as the savior, there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. Now notice the last statement in the, in the text. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Nicodemus and Joseph were not the only ones making the commitment of non-commitment. Some people did not commit to Jesus for fear of losing their status. When Jesus had healed the blind man who had been blind from birth, Jewish authorities took the young man to task, challenging him repeatedly. Who is this? How did he, hide, how did he heal you? Because you see, they did not believe in Jesus either. And so ultimately, the authorities came to the parents of the young man and asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? Who healed him? In verse 22 of John chapter 9, his parents said these things, <clears throat> and what they said was that he is our son, we know. That he was born blind, yes, we know that too. Who healed him? We can't tell you. He's of age, ask him. Passing the buck. And so his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. They would not openly say, Jesus healed our son of his blindness from birth. They feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Whoever made that confession would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Trying to make a non-commitment statement? No, they committed. They made a commitment statement. 
they were not going to confess Jesus. Some people, they would not commit because they loved the praise of men. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 42. Nevertheless, and notice this, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And notice this, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So they might say, well, we believed in him, really. You know, we, we really believed in him. We just didn't, didn't say that openly. Yeah, they made the commitment to not commit to him openly, to not commit to him following, uh, uh, fully, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Some simply would not confess him, would not follow him, would not commit to come to him as the Savior because they like worldly living too much. And we see that to this day. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, John the Apostle wrote later, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. But a whole lot of people love those, those sinful avenues. They love to live in the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they don't want to give that up to come to the Savior. They don't want to repent of their sins. They want to continue to live those lifestyles. And so they, while they might say, not ready to make that commitment yet. Yes, they have. They've made the commitment to not commit to Jesus. The commitment of non-commitment. That's what we're talking about in this particular focused study. If we want Jesus to confess us before God in heaven, then we must confess him before men here on this earth. If we want him to commit to us as our Savior, and through him, give us forgiveness and salvation and redemption. Because of the death that he died on the cross for us, then we must commit to him while we're still living upon this earth. If we reject Jesus, he will reject us. John 12 and verse 48, he who rejects me, Jesus said, and does not receive my words, now that means more than just listen to them, it means obey them, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now let me boil this down. And I appreciate this. I, I got this from a fellow who was, more than he realized it, my mentor early, early, early on as I was growing as a, as a young preacher and studying God's word along that line. I remember talking to him on the phone one day, and he, he was talking about, I believe it was a Saturday, and he said, I'm having a hard time coming up with a sermon topic for tomorrow. And I believe I mentioned this particular verse, not, not suggesting to him a, a sermon topic, I don't believe. I think I, maybe I've been studying this. We were talking a little bit about it. And he said, that's my sermon. Rejection brings rejection. And that's what Jesus is saying there. You reject me, I reject you. Now, some will say, well, I don't, I don't reject Jesus. I, but no, well, what about what his word says here? Well, I, I'm not ready to make that commitment. You just rejected Jesus. Because his word is how 
we grow in faith, Romans 10 and verse 17, and his word is what guides us as to how to come to him and follow him in faithfulness. To refuse to obey him is to reject him. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Notice the rest of this though. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. And someone might say, well, I would never deny Jesus. Are you ready to come to him? Well, no, I'm not ready to make that commitment. You just committed to not come to him. And then we look also in James chapter 4 and verse 17. What does this say? Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is, to him it is sin. And that's the commitment of non-commitment. I know I need to come to Jesus. Okay, come. No, I'm not ready to make that commitment. To him who knows to do good and does not do it. Or another translation in that particular verse is, to him who knows what is right to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. The commitment of non-commitment. Now, in reality... We're talking about the commitment of non-commitment. No middle road, no such thing as non-committal. It is commitment or non, uh, it is committing to, to follow Jesus, to come to him, to surrender to him in baptism so the blood that he shed on the cross for you can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins or to commit to not come to him. But there is no such thing as non-committal. You say, I don't, I'm not ready to commit. You've committed to disobey, to not come to your Lord and Savior? Have you been trying to hide behind a theoretical position of non-commitment? Or are you now ready to step forward and make the commitment to openly, faithfully, obediently follow your Savior for the rest of your life? Acts 22 and verse 16, Ananias sent by our Lord to teach Saul of Tarsus, who had been a violent enemy of the church. He came to Saul and he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And Saul of Tarsus made the commitment to do exactly that. Are you ready? Are you ready to make the commitment to obey Jesus and turn away from the commitment to not obey him? Do you need to come? Do you need the prayers of the church? Do you need to study God's word? We're ready to help you with all of that if you're ready to make the commitment as we stand and sing.